0: Welcome, everybody, back to Top Shelf Talks. This is the Hockey Stripes edition. This is our second episode of the 2023 year as we're heading here into July, getting ready for the hockey season. If you like the content that's on this podcast, please uh, give it a thumbs up. Subscribe to our podcast on whatever podcast uh, listening tool or platform you're on. Sue to say comment on any new or future content that you'd like to hear on the podcast. Again, we are going to supplement our podcast with a YouTube channel here shortly, probably coming out still in August. I'm still working out some of the technical details. Mostly it's me learning how to edit and record on uh, YouTube, which is a whole thing for me. So again, if you like the content here, please give us a comment. We'll be more than happy to bring on some new things here of Amateur Hockey World when it comes to officials. So this week, we would like to kind of hit on something that I get hit with on the ice and off the ice, overview of what the Declaration of Player Safety and Fair Play Respect USA Hockey rulebook. So in the front of the rulebook, you have a Declaration of Player Safety and Fair Play and Respect. Part of that, I get questions about what is the difference between competitive contact and body checking. For competitive conduct used to be called body contact. Now replace that with competitive contact. So right from the rule book, we start out competitive contact is a body contact between two or more skaters who are in immediate vicinity of the puck and in a normal process of playing the puck. These skaters are reasonably allowed to lean on each other. Competitive contact is encouraged at all age classifications of play within USA Hockey and provides a foundation for skills necessary to advance the body checking classifications. Now, some subsets or examples they give you in the book of competitive contact is angling. Uh, we hear angling quite a bit in the hockey world. Angling is the legal defensive skill to direct or control the puck carrier into an area that closes the gap to create an opening that is too small for the puck carrier. Defensemen that are directing an attacker into the boards, meaning that they angle themselves toward the boards without physically engaging or body checking the player but body positioning to where puck carrier gets angled off into the boards. Uh, I've seen a lot of young people out there that are really really good at this. They're skating backwards and they just you know, kind of keep pushing that puck carrier out, 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 and they just run out of space. So angling is used quite a bit, especially in your U-12. The second one is physical engagement. Under this rule, when two players are in pursuit of the puck, are allowed to reasonably lean on each other to provide possession of the puck remains the sole object of the two players. You see this a lot when there's a puck in the corner, players are playing hard into their body slam or hold each other or impede the progress. They don't skate change skating lanes directly into the other player. This is just two players running really side by side going after playing hard after the puck collisions now collisions are something that it's really hard when you're out there on the ice to try to figure out if that's collisions are and under the rule it says here occur when players are allowed to maintain their established position on the ice that's pretty straightforward a player shall not be penalized if the intention is to play the puck it causes a collision with the opponent no player is required to move out of the way of an oncoming player to avoid impact and this is where you see a lot of Younger players especially that haven't quite figured out the speed of the game a little bit, maybe playing on a team that they just quite haven't developed the skills yet on skating and and puck handling, and whether they do, they put their head down and they're looking at the puck, not looking in front of them. player comes in to play the puck, and they just get totally blown up. And this is really hard. Petitive contact, you know, that player that's that's skating at an angle that maybe has a little more skill – has kind of developed his skills a little bit better, a little bit faster than the other player. He's coming in hard. He's going to play that puck and cut that guy off. And if he's looking down at the puck, whipped around, you know, hit, knocked over, whatever, it's just not going to be a pretty situation. You know, we kind of look at that and say, you give some feedback to the coaching. This is what I saw. I mean, some coaches, they're on the bench. They don't see it. They just see their player gotten totally kind of give that feedback when you see that. Say, hey, the player had their head down. The other player's coming in, he's got the right to play that puck just as much as your player. The two just bounced off one another, kind of isn't it isn't and, and play on. Competitive contact. Now we get into the body checking. Body checking, in its definition, a body check represents the intentional physical contact from the to an opponent who is in control of the puck. The opposing player objective is to gain possession of the puck with a legal body check and is not to punish or intimidate the opponent. Let's just break it down a little bit here. One is it has to represent an intentional physical contact. That's different from competitive contact. From the front, diangling from the front, or straight on from the side by the skater to the opponent who is in control of the puck. So it has to be from the front, not from behind. It has to be diangling from the front or straight from the side, which most of your body checking you'll see straight from the side to an opponent who's in control of the puck. That's the key, in control of the puck. The opposing player's objective is to gain possession of the puck with a legal body shake, not to punish or intimidate the opponent. That is what USA is trying to get out of the game, is the punishing or intimidate the opponent. Continues on to unsportsmanlike conduct. Again, that that is straight on, straight from an angle or from the side, not from the back. Not low, not high. It's from the front, straight on, from the side, angling, or from the side, which would be, you know, your shoulder area. Legitimate body checking must be done only with the trunk of the body, that's hips to shoulder. It must be above the opponent's knees and or at below the opponent's shoulder. The use of the hands, forearm, stick, or elbow in delivering the body check is unacceptable. This is not within the guidelines of a legal body check. If you see a player who puts a check on him, but he holds his forearm out and gives the old forearm shiver, I mean, they're going to want you to call roughing right there. The stick is has to be below, down from below. Um, it can't be up, and the elbow has to be down into the body. You can't just put the elbow out; otherwise, you got elbowing. And then, lastly, here a more focus of the body checks to gain possession of the puck and the proper body checking technique starts with a stick-on-puck. Therefore, the stick blade of the player delivering shots must be below the knees. We go back to the first part, and it is the legal body check is to separate the puck carrier from the puck and using a body check but the stick blade has to be you know below the knees, so if it's up, you know they're skating around with up by their waist not not a good situation to deliver the check, go after the puck. I mean, deliver the check, separate the guy, you go after the puck it's not deliver the check they 're focusing on stick on puck, punishing the other player uh, some other things they go on to talk about in this area is vulnerable and defenseless i 'm not going to get much into that, but basically, the person delivering the check is responsible. They can't go blasting in there with no intent on playing the puck, reckless. They don't care. They're just there to just, you know, hurt somebody or whatever the case may be. USA Hockey wants all that stuff out. Here's late avoidable body checks. And a lot of guys you'll hear coaches or other officials have been around what they call finishing the check. And a lot of that you'll see in the professional levels. It's still legal, obviously, in the professional levels. But that's where the guy, let's say he's dumping it into the zone. He's at the blue line, and he dumps it into the zone, and then, you know, he's not expecting to get hit. He dumped the puck. Boom, he gets slammed. That's, that's late. That's, un, that's a late avoidable body check. Might be, it might be everything that we just talked about, you know, below knee, in the trunk, side, whatever, but he doesn't have the puck. You don't have the puck, you can't hit him. So talk to us about it as officials, and we got to call a roughing call, two-minute roughing penalty, easy peasy. Finishing the check, no good anymore. You know, obviously he comes in and hits the head. The head. The head is what it is. Anything to the head, you gotta call it. It's a five it's five in a game most of the time. You do a two and a ten. You know, a two and a ten has to be not forcible contact. So if the guy maybe got elbow up there, whatever, but then you're looking like, well, maybe he got a hand up there. Maybe he got stick up there. That's a high sticking. It's a contact thing. They got it in there. You can use it as you see fit. But bottom line is, is that's kind of hard because, um, you know, any kind of head contact, you know, could be from the stick. I don't call a lot of head contact, not just because it's not head contact, but it's like I have other fouls that are just as equal to head contact and it's really they never get to head contact. So I might say elbow, but it might be an elbow to the arm or the shoulder, but if you put the elbow in the ear hole, then I have to go head contact, but then it's a two and a 10. So from an elbow to a head contact to 10, I'm just giving them the additional 10 minute misconduct. It doesn't really do anything to the team, but the guy did put the elbow high and got it into the head. You know, they got to keep it down. It just, you have to really look at it and see, you know, that forcible contact to the head to be the letter of the law. Goes on, obviously, reemphasizing late and avoidable. the contact part of a scrum after the whistle. I mean, we all have to deal with the after the whistle stuff in front of the goal. It is what it is, you know, verbally. All right, guys, we're done here. We're done here. Blow the whistle maybe again. Get everybody's attention. Get, you know, get the line changes done. Get them lined up. Get the face-off done and get out of there and get the play started again. So, again, that's under your game management. Use it. Um, as you need last but not least unsportsmanlike contact with the body check stuff and the stuff that we just talked about the unsportsmanlike conduct kind of kicks in here so we go back to the beginning where they don't want punishing checks and then they don't want people skating around hey hey look what i did or late checks those are roughing but in addition to that they don't want the bench going berserk banging on the board high-fiving everybody screaming and yelling when a guy doesn't body check that's Penalized. If you penalize these roughings at the beginning of the game, you're probably going to avoid this situation in the middle of the second period. If you say, hey, guy hits him late, put your arm up, roughing. Yeah, you're going to get chatter about it. Let him play on, you know, whatever. You can deal with that. But what you don't want is you're not calling it. They do it two or three times, and all of a sudden now the bench is into it. And now you got the bench banging on the boards, and now the other coach is upset because he knows this rule. You know, his team might be a little bit smaller physically. I don't know. Early on, if you establish, I I don't call it out to the coaches. Like, hey, you know, call it out early. That's roughing. Hopefully avoid having the banging on the boards and then people going berserk and all that kind of stuff uh, at the bench level. Again, game management, that's how you work it, or unsportsmanlike conduct. Also be aware of unsportsmanlike conduct, when it comes to a check, I've seen guys. I'll give them a two and a ten for charging, but then they decided to go prance around before I blow the whistle because they haven't taken their team hadn't taken possession of the puck. Well, then I can easily add on another taunting six oh one, and now they've got a double minor up there. Plus, he has to sit ten minutes as a misconduct. So, you know, he's going to get a two and a ten for a charge. And then he prances around like, look what I did. Well, guess what? Now you're going to have your team down four minutes. And I'm telling you right now, I go up to the coaches and say, hey, I, you know, I got a two and a 10. But then the dude pranced around. He saw him, him or her prance around. It's not. It's evident. He, the whole arena saw him. You have the option to do that. But if you establish this early, it locks, locks off all the shenanigans down the road. So, anyways, that's it for this week. Appreciate everybody's support. Again, if there's anything you want us to talk about, we're going to kind of just hit the highlights of the things that. We're seeing out there, uh, but if there's something you guys want to see specifically or talk about, please let us know in the comments. Send us an email. It's topshelftalks at yahoo.com. Feel free to send us an email. We appreciate everybody's support and hearing from you. Everybody have a great one, and uh, we'll talk next week.